0: Welcome to Break It Down, a Scansource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your hosts, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. This episode is for educational purposes only. Please do not use anything discussed during the episode as investing advice.
1: It is another edition of Break It Down, a scan source podcast brought to you by our good friends at Cisco. As always, I'm your host, Ian, here with Kyle and Philip. How are we doing, guys?
2: Doing good. I'm ready. I'm excited about today's topic. So, we're going to talk cryptocurrencies today. Oh, yes.
1: Something I'm very excited about as the owner of several. We're out here to give you financial
2: advice. We just want to talk about the technology
1: just the technology behind it why it exists when it's existed since where it might be going hypothetically and maybe a few things in between that sounds awesome okay well let's start where we always start when did it start
2: yep so quick callback to our blockchain episode we referenced the current culture thinks uh Bitcoin and blockchain are synonymous terms. So in that one, we also talked about the start of Bitcoin. So 2009 is the date we all quote as the introduction of cryptocurrency. That was the when Bitcoin first came around, Satoshi Nakamoto. Still don't know if that's a single person or a group of people, but the pseudonym is there. The current, still, the way Bitcoin is managed and transacted today is still based off of iterations of a protocol that was defined in 2009 so that's where it started
1: it's a good good starting place bitcoin was real cheap then yeah yeah point where it's funny because and we'll get into this i think but like obviously satoshi didn't think it was a joke and it's not a joke but it was socially mocked like parks and rec there's an episode from 2009 2010 where they make a joke about paying for something with bitcoin and now that's not a
3: joke anymore. Okay. I sent you, Ian, over the weekend. You did. A guy who bought a pizza in like two thousand fifteen bought a pizza with ten thousand bitcoins. Ooh. The most expensive pizza of all time. Yeah, I think it's like eighty million
2: dollars now or something. That's tremendous. Yeah. I think today's rate is it's down today. We're recording early June. It's down today, but it still say it's over 35000 per coin. So that's a really expensive pizza.
1: Yeah. Let's keep going here. So let's talk about the transactional properties of it. And maybe this is not the best first step to take, but we're on the subject. So today, I can't go to CVS and pick
2: up cough medicine with Bitcoin. That's right. Not yet. I would think it's going to be a while before a traditional commerce transaction can happen with any cryptocurrency, Bitcoin or others. So if you look at just kind of the fundamental retail transaction with credit card processing, it can take anywhere from one to three days before the funds change hands. Between the issuing bank of the credit card that was used and swiped at the merchant and get those presumably dollars back to that merchant to exchange for the goods or services that that consumer just bought, the dollar, U.S. dollar, is pretty stable. So in a day or three days, the rate, exchange rate of that dollar doesn't change. Now, we're transacting in dollars, so who cares? There's no exchange rate. But if you wanted to buy in pesos or francs or euros, The exchange rate would come into play, and then Visa processing or MasterCard processing would have to exchange US dollars for whatever currency you purchased in. So that's the threat. Right now, with cryptocurrency being as volatile as it is, and it can change dramatically, if someone were to tweet about it, for instance Elon Musk, I know you're listening. You might have a huge change in the price per coin. For the cryptocurrency. So and that can change in literally minutes, guys. I mean it's not this oh, yeah. this is not a regulated industry like the stock exchange is or like Federal Trade Commission is. So cryptocurrency can change in, in minutes. And if you have a credit card transaction at a retail that takes days for it to complete, then you might buy a pizza that costs you eighty million dollars. So that's why it's not prevalent in retail yet. Now we may get there, and as we talk about Bitcoin specifically, there's there's a cap on how many Bitcoins there will be based off the protocol it's defined by. So there may be a time when it becomes more stable. But as of right now, that's why everybody's so excited about it. It's because it's not regulated. So
1: we're recording this at a perfect time. The Bitcoin conference were, was literally this past weekend. I wasn't there, but I do follow my little echo chamber and social media Bitcoin accounts. So The president of El Salvador announced that he wants to make his country the first to use Bitcoin as a legal
2: tender. So what does that mean? Is he going to figure it out, how to make it transactional? Uh, That sounds like a huge risk to me. So I also was not at the conference this weekend. But someone has to assume the risk of the volatility of that currency's value. That was said very slowly intentionally because I was also processing the words myself for the first time. But that's part of why legal tender that's issued by the banks and the treasuries of nations can be traded for goods and services without too much of a risk because, again, it's regulated tender. So someone within El Salvador is going to have to assume the risk of these dramatic changes in the value of that currency if they're going to recognize it as legal tender so uh, honestly that's it kind of already is whether or not they recognize it or not now maybe they're just uh, how they spend it or where it can be used but they don't really get to control whether or not their residents their citizens purchase
3: cryptocurrency correct so you touched on the limiting factors of like the supply limitation. Early on, you touched on that. Explain that. Like with Bitcoin, there is, but like Dogecoin, there's not. So some of these have a limit. Some of them don't have a supply limit. Dogecoin's based on a meme. Yes, based real things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right.
2: Meme inspired is the term you keep seeing around Dogecoin. So in the Bitcoin world, let's try to keep it interesting so we don't lose listeners, but. When the protocol for Bitcoin was defined, there was a maximum amount of Bitcoins that would ever be produced, which is 21 million. And currently we're in the 18.1 range of Bitcoins that have been produced. So this is a supply and demand thing. So if there's an infinite amount of the currency, then the currency is worthless. It's the same thing the U.S. Treasury does. They limit the amount of U.S. dollars in circulation because if they just print new currency every single day, then the dollar becomes worthless. So that's the reason there are caps in the crypto world and specifically in the Bitcoin example we just quoted, but also in just like the US Treasury did, does, the Bitcoin protocol has a diminishing return essentially where new Bitcoins are slower to be created as time goes on, And so even though we're already at 18 plus million of the 21 million cap, they're still predicting the last Bitcoin to be created in the year 2140. So we got a long way to go before we hit the last digital coin being minted. But that's why it's there, Phil. It's a supply and demand thing. They're limiting the supply big spikes initially to launch the product. But then over time, they will intentionally, and I say they, let's try not to define who the they is in this world, but fewer and fewer Bitcoins will be minted over time intentionally to try to limit that cap so that they hold their value. Are they always going to be 35 plus thousand US dollars per coin? No, no, they won't. But it's got to hold its value and it won't if we just uh, continuously
1: create them. So why do so many different coins exist then?
2: Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. I've been thinking about that. It's to me personally, it's because there are, again, no regulations on it. Anybody can start one. And this is a very, very high tech version of, I will gladly pay you a dollar tomorrow for a hamburger today. I mean, this is just people using a method, a well-defined method, as an opportunity to make money. That's the primary use of cryptocurrency right now outside of the cybersecurity world. I'm not sure if we're going to get into that, but it's a day trader's dream. It's just invest now, sell when it gets high, make some money. You mentioned Elon Musk earlier. He bought one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin this calendar year and has sold some of it and made a hundred plus million dollars off the sale. That's why. That's why there are so many of them. And the more there are, the more intriguing it gets. It gives people choices. They don't have to adhere to the Bitcoin mining approach to- I'm gonna get into that, because
1: Phil and I are gonna get into mining, I think, so.
2: Yeah, so that's why there's so many. Now that we have a mechanism for transacting all these things and literally creating the currency out of nothing, <laughs> out of nothing.
1: Yeah, and that's what's interesting, is someone who, you know, I have a diverse portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> You got some Dogecoin? I no, I don't own Dogecoin. I like the ones I own are things that I actually not believe in, but like have a some level of understanding of the technology that goes into it. But what's interesting is some of these are based on protocols for other things. So like there's a coin out there that is used to power this protocol. And the protocol allows Ethereum, which is another coin, to be traded at a lower cost. So this coin performs based on how well the protocol performs, I, I would assume, or how it's traded, I guess. But then like other ones are based on payment transaction speeds and the speed to your point, Kyle, of what, how quickly they can turn a transaction. Some of them tout that so that you would, you know, if you would look, were potentially down the line looking to use this in a retail format, I guess a faster transaction method is ideal. So it's interesting because they're, There are a lot and and some have more, I would say merit, but that might not be the best word than others into what they do. But I think literally tens of thousands of
2: coins at this point. Yeah. So the transaction speed that you referenced as one of them and why they pay coins for transaction speed, that gets into the mining thing, which we'll talk about. But going back to the real world example of credit card processing with a Visa card, You know, there's a merchant, which is where you're buying this stuff, your CVS in in your example, and CVS has a payment processing bank that, well, short version, when you swipe the card, the terminal that you're swiping the card at sends a request to say, can I allow this person to buy these things with this amount of money? Here's the credit card information. They're assuming the risk there because they're providing the approve or decline, not the actual issuing bank on the other end yet. That's why it takes so many days to actually transfer the funds. So, yes, there's streamlined versions of that for all my point of sale fans out there that are fact checking me. But that's the key is in the crypto world. When we talked about blockchain in our previous episode, I talked about hash and keys and that's how it's secure and each block in the ledger connects to the previous one by using a security key. So unwinding that key and then creating the new one is the transaction speed. That's the bulk of the speed here is checking the ledger, which there's millions of endpoints out there that you can check the ledger to see whether or not that Bitcoin is is valid. But the transactional speed is the decryption and encryption of the next block, which is why they reward people for contributing to this. So anybody could have a cryptocurrency, anybody can define one, we could have a a break it down dollar, as long as we defined what the protocol was, and we adhere to the protocol, and then it's based
1: on our podcast downloads. So yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah, so you can drive up the value by listening to it more. I like it.
1: There you go. Simple. All right. So mining, how do I get it? What first? What is it? Then how do we get into
2: it? And why is it melting the world? All right, got it. So (laughs) mining is the representation of ore mining, gold mining. So that's why they call it that. So people used to, probably still do, go into the earth and mine for elements, and you would find some amount of precious metals, and you'd extract them from the earth. That's where this miner's word comes from. In what we're talking about now, and you might hear people talking about mining rigs, or having rigs at home, it's computers. It's just compute. And it's a purpose-built computer that all it's designed to do is decrypt and subsequently encrypt blocks in a blockchain. The difficulty for the next block to get added to a blockchain like the Bitcoin one has become immensely more difficult. So I read something the other day that said when Bitcoin was first launched in 2009, if you assumed the difficulty level of decrypting the hash so that you knew whether or not this block was valid, if that difficulty level was one in 2009, it's 13 trillion now, the difficulty level. (laughs) We missed the boat, Phil. We're not mining.
3: (laughs) No, not that part.
2: So the protocol intentionally has gotten more complex. So every 2,000 plus blocks that get added to the chain, the difficulty of computing the key, the hash, gets more difficult. And so over time, it has become so difficult now for a piece of compute to do the math to unwind the previous hash in order to know whether or not it can attach a new block to the chain. That math has become so complicated that people are buying and building specific computers just to do it and do it like one time a day successfully. So it's a race. It's literally a race. So there's millions of people out there with miners with rigs that are running as part of the peer-to-peer network in blockchain. And those computers are doing nothing but math to try to maintain the ledger. Shout out to Phil's cooler from the blockchain episode so it's doing all that math so answering all those questions mining is doing the math to attach things to blockchain elon musk is mad about it because all of that compute uses fossil fuel to run it's electricity it's etc so bitcoin has become so complex to transact that it literally is a resource hog and so he's started to try to back away i guess
3: Is that unique to Bitcoin because it has become so difficult or is that across all crypto?
2: It's most relevant now because Bitcoin is the oldest. It's the most established. So any other crypto that follows this same approach of using blockchain to connect will eventually have the same problem. Presumably. Either they have this problem or they're not secure. So you got to pick one. (laughs) So... That Bitcoin has created its own problem because of how popular it is. And now the difficulty in adding new blocks to the chain or adding new whatever entries in the ledger has become so complex that it takes a lot of compute power. And guys, that's the reward for having a miner in your home or owning this rig or owning compute that runs this miner. The reward is Bitcoin. So if you happen to have the rig or the, the miner that calculates the thing first, then you get Bitcoin and also whatever transaction fees have accumulated since the last block.
1: It feels like a lot of costs and time and
2: investment to get one Bitcoin. Yep. So the things are just sitting there running. And it's funny if you spend spending time on social looking at rigs and bitcoin miners you see all these crazy just racks of small computers connected with wires it looks like we're back in the 80s filming yeah
1: so at a very i'm dumb sorry at a very elementary level bitcoin mining could be compared to like a almost decryption where like a It's just running a decryption and trying to guess kind of what that next hash number is.
2: That's exactly right. And you said the word guess, which is how this is done. They're literally, literally, yeah. yeah, it's literally just guessing and then checking to see if it's right. And if it's not, it throws it out and tries another one. So now, like I said, now that it's become 13 trillion times more complex than it was when it launched, that's a lot of compute power, aka a lot of electricity, aka a lot of fossil fuels. Mr. Tesla is separating himself from that.
3: But it's kind of funny that he didn't know when he bought it the first time around, right? Like, he can say that all he wants, but I I just just now learned that my billion-dollar investment wasn't great for the...
2: Yeah, I mean, he bought it in January, and it was a shiny new object for him, I think. Never met the guy, but the speed at which it was purchased and then subsequently sold and then subsequently on a soapbox was pretty quick. Yeah. Where do we go
1: from here? I guess the coins can't like dissolve or anything but they'll all just kind of go down to be not being worth anything. Like there won't be mergers or acquisitions between coins or anything because they're currencies, but will we see the cream rise to the top and we kind of already are with you know there's a few that are worth significantly more than everything else? Will it become transactional? And I, again, we're not giving stock tips, right? But is this the currency of the future? Is this the decentralized currency that's going to suspend nationalities and cross borders and you know i can go to china and pay with bitcoin in a couple of years and don't have to worry about anything else
2: i don't know this is me giving my opinion again but to me we're not stockers. that's right the the spike in bitcoin price to me is a longer version of what happened to game stock It's a phenomenon that's happening. Again, all the things that we said in the opener, it's unregulated, which is why it's interesting right now. People are using it as a way to make money and not because they want to transact in Bitcoin, but because they know they can buy and sell and make money. So to be honest, I think if we rapidly shorten that 2140 estimation that we I mentioned about Bitcoin earlier, and we hit the cap of 21 million Bitcoins having not even reached, then anybody that's running miners doesn't get rewards anymore. That currency is going to stabilize. Then it becomes a currency, though. If there's no outlet to spend it, then who cares about who owns 21 million things of worthless ones and zeros? So I think you said there's 10,000 different cryptocurrencies out there. I think they're all going to rise and fall. This is Kyle's opinion for what it's worth. They're all going to rise and fall. They won't become a worldwide prevalent currency because there's a reason nations' currencies are regulated. There's a reason the SEC exists in the United States. So I don't think we need a currency that can be exchanged across nations that would survive being unregulated.
1: Just, again, Kyle's opinion. Funny side story here. I had some time on my hands a, a couple months ago and decided I was going to try and day trade some cryptos and forgot that you actually have to sell them. And so it backfired pretty significantly. I haven't thinking a loss, but it didn't work out for me. You do have to, you know, there's definitely an active participant required in that endeavor. Yeah. I was going to ask you how your uh, portfolio was doing. You referenced it. It's, I'm up significantly only because of Bitcoin. And I did have some success with some smaller ones as well. I've also had not success, but I've had some good success as well. I mean, Ian, you had Bitcoin early on, though, didn't you? Like, I mean, a couple of years, right? Reasonably. 9K was when I got in.
3: I mean, that's pretty good. That's yeah, I'm the opposite. And I got in over where it's at now. And so now my only thing to do is write it and hope it better. <laughs> yeah i will either lose the money
1: i've invested or i will become a millionaire with it and there is no in between for me <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting what you just mentioned a couple of times kyle the lack of regulation because i am a meathead so like the supplement world is not regulated by the fda so bitcoin in a way is similar to that and that's not regulated by the fcc and it feels like two very important things that should be regulated is like things that financially impact and impact people's health and fit like wellness, things that feel like they should be regulated. And I know that the government is asking when you do tax returns now, which you have to, like, say if you've traded cryptocurrency, and you do obviously have to claim capital gains tax if you cash out. But otherwise, it's
2: still kind of the Wild West. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Most regulations are there to protect people from themselves. But, I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you dabble in cryptocurrencies maybe you You lose all your money (laughs) maybe you lose some money yeah but you're not going to stop commerce you're not going to bring a nation to its ease i've seen the big short kyle okay (laughs) there's a reason you can't buy scratch off tickets with a credit card it's a very similar regulation
1: yeah i mean that's a to believe at this point and they're not stocks they are currencies they're not usable in transactions retail transactions today because you can buy things online but to, they perform like stocks today. And that's where, I mean, I just mentioned like the big short feels like a very, hopefully
2: not correct story in terms of this. But yeah, yeah. The, the big difference is shares of stock, buying shares of stock are you as an investor buying ownership in a company. Buying cryptocurrency is no different than you traveling to Mexico City and trading all your US dollars for pesos and then just hoping that the exchange rate for pesos becomes dramatically stronger over time. Like it's no, it's. Yeah, but you're still, you're basing it off of like market. Like, so like if, if I was to do that, You would do it on
1: the, like, knowledge that, like, well, Mexico is investing in infrastructure or they're adding a new airport. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there would be factors that would, like, help dictate that, that if you were to do something as ridiculous, which, when you give that example, it's so ridiculous, so...
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I mentioned the SEC earlier. That's why the SEC exists. They have authority over the market, the stock market, so they can protect fair trade. Stock is publicly linked to companies' financials. So, I mean, like, you have... You can make an informed decision on making that type of stock investment or a currency exchange. I need Bitcoin to go build a new airport and invest in yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, there you go. So, the crypto world, you're just hoping you got enough of your buddies that bought game stock and are also out there buying whatever crypto you own to drive that price
1: up. Well, and that's the social media. Obviously, that all facets of life is crazy, but in crypto, it's like there's such an echo chamber of like, they love to show the charts and the history, and this is the last bear run or whatever. And like, they're just, it's very interesting. And that's, I'm glad to be along for the ride because it's been kind of a fun little endeavor for me. And I've learned about this to an extent. This has been much more educational. That's a fun little ride. Yep. All right. Well, this is a fun little ride. (laughs)
0: Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco Meraki. Cisco Meraki is an industry leader in cloud-managed IT and creates the simplest, most powerful solutions helping everyone from global enterprises to small businesses. With solutions for retail, healthcare, education, manufacturing, and hospitality, there's a solution for your business.